0: are you this morning? Happy Palm Sunday. Oh church, I think this morning we are going to meet God with our worship, with our service, worshiping him. And we're going to spend some time in worship this morning, if that's okay by you. I hope it's okay by you. <laughs> And I'm going to do a little something different this morning, guys. I'm a little uncomfortable, and that's why I'm telling you. I am, because I feel like the Lord is asking me to, I'm going to come down here, and I'm going to walk around while we're worshiping. And so I encourage you that if you feel like God is pressing on you, I want you to move, okay? Move your hands. Move your feet. Move your head. Move your soul, okay, this morning? because there is something that happens in the background of our spirits when we just do the things that we can do and then God does what he can do. Okay? So, lock it in, because we're going to go for it. Okay. you this morning
1: with no restrictions father you are welcome we say yes Lord yes our songs are rising in your We say yes, Lord, yes. We will wait on you. We will wait on you. Come and move. We say yes to you.
2: Come and
1: move. We say yes say yes to you, come and move, we say yes to you, oh, Jesus, your face, our focus, your will, we're wanting, we say yes, Lord, yes.
0: It's okay to you say yes. My turtle, Even yes. if you're unsure. You, you have my eternal yes.
1: are holy for you are holy Lord you are holy for you are holy.
2: with his glory. Church, you realize the Bible says that on this day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says when he entered in, the city was stirred. There's something that happens inside of us. See, before then, the gates were closed. Before then, there were soldiers stationed at the gates. But when Jesus entered in, the city began to stir. Something happens when we're willing to open up our hearts to Him. I'm not talking about the comfortable religion that maybe we were grown up in or exposed to. I'm not talking about a liturgical kind of expression. I'm talking about opening up our heart and saying, God, I'm all in. I mean I'm all in. I'm all in. There's not going to be any gate left shut from you. Come on in Holy Spirit. Come on in Jesus. I want you to stir me up today. I want to, I want you to be I want to be stirred. I don't want to leave this place the same. More importantly, I don't want you Jesus to leave this place the same. Cuz the way you always come, come on. He always comes. But he's not always praised. He always comes, but He's not always fully loved. He always comes, but He's not always fully embraced. The Bible says when we are faithless, He's still faithful. Even if we forsake Him, He'll never forsake us. My friends, I just want to pray with you today. I want to pray a holy stirring inside this church. Not, 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 not for a good church meeting. Not for a good Palm Sunday moment. I, I'm praying for a holy stirring inside of our spirit that causes us to want Jesus more. That causes us to want to praise Him. Causes us to be like King David who said, man, you think I've been undignified in worshiping Him up till now? You haven't seen anything yet. I can be much more undignified than this because I'm all in for my King. In the name of Jesus, I pray that that spirit That stirring of the Holy Spirit gets into our hearts today. Daddy, whatever offense, whatever doubt, whatever fear, whatever cultural restriction that we have blocked the gate with, I pray today it may be shattered in the name of Jesus. Swing wide, you gates. Come on. The King of glory wants to come in. Father, I pray against sickness, against disease, against depression, against uh, addiction, against doubt, against fear, all the things, Lord God, that would keep us from wanting and desiring more of you. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Today we cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Daddy, the whole earth is filled with your glory. Let our lives be filled with it too. So not only do we leave changed today, but that you leave blessed because you came and spent time with your kids. Today, Daddy, we want you to know we love you. Jesus, we want you to know we love you. Spirit of the living God, we want you to know we love you. So come in and stir up this place. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir up something. Stir up something deep inside that cannot be contained. It cannot hide. A fire that consumes us with a passion for our King. We love you. We praise you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we stir up some praise just for a moment? Father, we love you today. Jesus, you're the King of kings. And Lord of lords, we stir it up in this place for your glory. Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah. Woo! Man, what a picture of all the Can you imagine all the angels falling down before the throne of grace? Woo! What an invitation to not be a bystander. What an invitation not to be a bystander. The angels said, I'm all in. Let's go. Let's get on the throne. Let's get before the throne. I love you guys. I'm so glad you're here today. Today's a special day. For lots of reasons part of the reason why it's special is because you're here danielle and i don't uh, say that lightly we mean it when we say it because we know that there's a thousand things especially in today's day and age that could keep you home be home watching it online saving the gas saving the time not having to get up early to wash the hair brush the teeth come on somebody i don't know we really appreciate you being here thank you for your investment this is what i know My God will never be outgiven. What you sow into, you will reap from. I believe there's a reaping that's going to happen in your life today because you sowed in already to the things of God. It's just what God says. It's not what Kyle says. It's what the Word of God says. Believe it. We are family here at Connect, so I'm really glad you're here. If this is your first or second time, welcome. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for being a part of what this is. For us, churches, it's about a Sunday morning moment. It's about learning to live life well together. And that's what we're inviting you to be a part of. And if this is your, if you're uh, at home watching, if you're on vacation watching, we know we have people who are still under the weather, still caught with COVID, still uh, away, shut in. We love you. We are praying for you. The same God that's in this room is the same God that's with you as well. Come on, can you give a shout out to your brothers and sisters who who are online? We love you. So good to have you but I don't want you to be confused this church isn't about just great worship it's not just about a beautiful room it's not just about beautiful people it's about Jesus it's about Jesus church isn't a brand church is a bride we are the bride of Jesus Christ and I am so glad that the beauty and the colors in this room represent who he is in such a vibrant way what a great what a great this is all about jesus today so i am so glad you're here i hope you're glad your brother or sister next to you your family member next to you you may not even know them they may have been living down the hall from you for a while. You haven't knocked on their door. This is the time. Knock on their door. Go over. Say hi to somebody near you. Give them an air high five. Give them a fist pump. Take a moment. Say hello before we're being seated. All right. Go be family for just a second. Say hi to somebody. Woo. Man, I don't know about you guys, but I could have just kept worshiping this morning. Woo. Margo was like, I'm nervous. I'm gonna, God told me to get down off the stage. I was like, come on, let's dance. Let's go. Fantastic. Hey, let me just say this for a moment. Sometimes it's scary to do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Um, I get it. Like That's why we said all the time, faith doesn't come in the comfortable. Faith is an expression that is expressed in the uncomfortable. Hey, Peter, you want to walk on water, step out of a boat into a stormy sea? Uh, Everything in my life says no. Come on, right? We, we, We fantasize about that. Oh, I just walk on the water. I would follow Jesus. Dude, everything in your life experience says don't do it, you'll die. There's something about following the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's why we have to learn to discern between the Spirit's voice and our voice. That's what prayer does. That's what discipleship does. That's why we need things like Forged and Shoulder to Shoulder, our men and women's discipleship groups. Why? Because there's a lot of voices going on in our heads. Mine, coaches, teachers, come on, somebody, right? Parents, friends, people who are tweeting at me. I am in, it, right? Everything. You got a bunch of voices. You got to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit so you know how to step out. Because this is salvation, but stepping out is transformation. It's great to live in salvation, I'm all in, but the world will be changed when we live in transformation. Oh, I ain't even teaching on that, that's for a different day. But I want to invite you before, I, we have something special, obviously you can tell today something special, um, but before we get into it, um, I just want to invite you back, this week is the beginning of, uh, of Holy Week, uh, we want to invite you back to our Good Friday service at 7 o'clock on Friday night. This is one of, Good Friday service is one of my favorite services of the year followed up by Easter, which is my favorite service of the year. So like, we've got a great week. From this week, to, from this service to Friday to, uh, to Sunday, uh, it's going to be brilliant. There are no discipleship groups meeting this week, um, but that doesn't mean that there's not time to be disciple this week. So I want to invite you to, to be a part of that with us. Uh, one last thing is, um, uh, this is not a fashion statement for me. I didn't, I'm not trying to break in a new trend. Uh, Michael Jackson with the one glove, I just have the one finger wrap. That's not what we're doing. I, uh, I cut my finger last night, and um, because we have so much white up here, I figured wrapping it would be better than blood everywhere. So yeah, I'm, I'm sending them, thanks, yes. So hey, if you, we're going I, to, like I said, this is different today. I've been excited about this. Our team's been excited about this. This is going to be different, but it's so cool what we're going to talk about today. Um, and so since you brought your Bible, can you turn with me to Exodus chapter 12? Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, it's written by Moses. And if you didn't bring your Bible, it's cool. It's going to be on the screen in just a second, but today we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to spend some time talking about how Jesus is our Passover, how he is, is our Passover. And you know, we're going to take a look at Passover, which today is kind of called the Seder, and see the hidden glory of Jesus inside of this. And I really want to encourage you, take notes today. I mean, literally, take out your phone if you've got it. Take out your notebook. I know some of you old school, like my wife, she has, like, notebooks and pens, and she still uses, like, crayon. I don't know, it's crazy, like, pencil. I have a pencil sharp. I, I have bought, like, 75 pencil sharpeners in my house, that even though we still use pencils. But look, take notes, because this will really help you. Today is going to be not preaching as much as it is a revelation of who Jesus is sitting right in front of you. You know, the, 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 this, this moment that we're talking about today is what Jesus set his face toward. We talked last week about he set his face towards Jerusalem. All those months ago, he was setting his face to come to this moment for the Passover, for him to become the Passover lamb. It's, it's why on this day he enters into Jerusalem. It's, he doesn't come accidentally to this moment. Come on. You may have come into these doors accidentally. Jesus doesn't do anything accidentally. Jesus does everything intentionally. So he came into the city, and the city was stirred. And it was stirred, they didn't know it, but they were stirred because this was going to happen. Something in the Spirit stirs you when God is about to do something in you. There's a stirring that was going on, coming to this moment, and what we're going to see in it is the glory of Jesus. You know, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, that all of the feasts, all of the festivals, all of the things in the Old Testament are shadows, the reality is found in Jesus Christ. They are shadows, the reality is Jesus. What is concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament in Jesus, That's what makes the Old Testament so exciting. When people tell me the Old Testament is boring, I'm like, you're reading it wrong. Because I don't read the Old Testament for the stories, although there's stories. I don't read it just for the encouragement of faith, although there's faith. I read it because in the Old Testament, Jesus is everywhere. Matter of fact, Jesus says to the Pharisees in John 5, 46, if you believed Moses, who wrote this book, by the way, If you believe in Moses, you would believe me. Because what Moses wrote about was about me. See, when we get to read about the feasts, when we get to read about the festivals, they're not just something that the Jewish nation did. It's the revelation of our king. We get to see the glory. He's in every part of it. He's the offerer. He's the one who offers the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice that's being made. And he is the one who's receiving the sacrifice because he is God. He's in every level. See, just to help us to be disciples, when you read the Old Testament, you have to read it like a three-layer cake. Every layer can actually go, stand on its own, but it's better together. That there's a historical level. It's historically fulfilled in Israel. These things happened. Like we're looking at Exodus. It happened historically. Then there's a layer called, that's prophetic. It's prophetically fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus fulfills the meaning behind why it was being said and done. Then there's a spiritual level. It's spiritually fulfilled in you and I as believers. So what is historically revealed is prophetically fulfilled and spiritually uh, given to you and I when we come to Christ. When you begin to read it, you'll see so much more. For us to better understand, I think, the Passover, we need to go back to the beginning of Exodus chapter 12, just for a second, where the people of God are trapped in slavery in Egypt, right? They're trapped in slavery in Egypt, and Egypt always symbolizes, when you read the Bible, the world symbolizes sin, oppression, tyranny, and so this was the state of where they were. That's where all of us are living before the Lamb of God came into our life. All of us are living in a land of oppression, tyranny in the world. That's the condition of every human being. Romans 3.23 says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are in Egypt. All of us are in need of redemption. A way out of Egypt. And here's the thing that I noticed, by the way, if you read this Exodus story, is that they couldn't work their way out. Did you read the Exodus story before? The Bible says that they had to double their work. Pharaoh made them double their work. They could work harder and harder and harder and still couldn't get out of the world, still couldn't get out of oppression, still couldn't get out of slavery. My friends, this is the lie the enemy will always tell you. The lie the enemy will always tell you is that if you just work harder, if you are become more diligently, if you just do better, you'll be able to get free from the sin you're in. Get free from the oppression that you've been under. Get free from the addiction that's been holding you back and living in bondage. If you just work harder, but it didn't work for them, it won't work for us, the only way out from under the oppression of the enemy is by the blood of the Passover lamb. That's it. There is no other way to set, be set free. You can't work for it. You just have to receive it. By his stripes were healed. Do you remember the ten plagues? Nine of them did not touch the Israelites. They were living in Goshen and they didn't. Because nine of them were about repentance. The tenth one was going to touch everybody. Egyptian and Jew alike. Why? Because sin and death, sin and death affect all of us. Sin and death affect all of us and we're all in need of redemption all of us the good news is that when we're in this situation like if you're still in the world if you're still in oppression you don't have to be down because this is why we're celebrating this today this is why jesus celebrated it on thursday night because god has a plan for you Here's the plan. Exodus 12, verse 5. We're going to read a little bit. Come on. Your lamb, (laughs) that's Jesus, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of a year old. You You may take it from the sheep or the goats. That's a whole other message right there. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill the lambs at twilight. I'm going to stop there and unpack for a second. 14th day. 14 is the number of total agreement, complete agreement. Two is the number of agreement. Where two touch anything in agreement, it shall be done. On the witness of two people, the Bible says, it shall stand. Two is the number of agreement. Seven is the number of completion. It's seven twice. It's completion and completion. When completion is completed, we live in total agreement of what God is saying over our lives. On the 14th day, the only way to get to total completion is through the Lamb. By the way, the lamb is killed when at twilight. Do you remember? The Bible says when Jesus died, what happened? It became dark. Why? Because it is this collision point between day and night, light and darkness. That's where salvation comes. This new birth. And although the lamb was killed on the 14th day, it wasn't eaten until the 15th day. Because the moment sun sets in the Jewish calendar, the day flips. 15, which is interesting, is 7, the number of completion, and 8, the number of new beginnings. When what God does through the Lamb is complete, you step into a new beginning. After day 7 and God rested, on day 8, there was a brand new world that we were living in in creation. When you are, when after what God has done by the Lamb of God, when that is complete, we step into a brand new beginning. I told you you need to take notes today. Verse 7 says, Then they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doorposts, we're going to talk about that in a second, and the lentil of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat of the flesh that night, roasted on fire with unleavened bread, come on, made without yeast, and bitter herbs they shall eat. Verse 11 says, this is how they're to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. My friends, this is is about getting out of our sin and oppression quickly. It's not simply about being forgiven and then staying in our old life. It's about understanding that the forgiveness of Jesus brings you into the freedom to walk into a new way of living. We are not supposed to be participating in Christ and just sitting around. We are meant to be eating this thing and going into what God has for us. What does Jesus command us? What does He say, "Sit in the world." And disciples will come to you. He says, "Go, Because the moment you get the lamb, come on, there's something should be stirring you to go. There's a forward movement. We are too caught in our past failures. In Jesus Christ, because of the Lamb, there's a forward movement that the God wants to take us in. Eat it in haste. On that same night, I shall pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood. Highlight that. Underline it. Circle it put your name next to it, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see what? The blood. Not when I see your good works, your effort, your trying, your kindness, your, your, your tithe. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you because of the blood. This is a day that you will commemorate for generations to come and I shall, we, and you shall celebrate it as the festival under the Lord, a lasting ordinance. It's Passover. The Hebrew word Passover is the word "passa"? It does not mean to go around. It does not mean to simply go by. It actually means to cover over, to spread out your wings and to cover over. Where are we safe? Under the shadow of His wings. When Jesus spread out His wings, He covered over our sin with His blood. God didn't go around our sin. He didn't overlook our sin. He covered it with His blood of His own Son. The truth is, the reality is that there are a few things that we're going to talk about that have been added to the Passover meal over the years to remember that exodus moment. But for all good accounts, this is Most likely, the Passover Seder meal that Jesus would have grown up eating, His disciples would have grown up eating, and probably was the meal they ate together on that Thursday night. Now, the truth is that the Gospels don't record every act, every moment of the Passover meal in the Gospels, right? Because that wasn't the purpose of the Gospels. It wasn't a rule book on how to do the right kind of Passover meal. But there are 14 elements of the Passover meal in the Gospels, that kind of revealed this is actually what they were doing. First and foremost, in Mark chapter 14, verse 12, by the way, Mark is written by Peter. Mark is his amanuensis. He's he's the writer. Peter is narrating this. At least that's what we believe. That's what tradition tells us. And on this first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples say to Jesus, where are we going to eat Passover? He tells them, Verse 16 says, they go into the city, find the upper room, and prepare for the Passover meal. Yeah. So we have a pretty good account that what they were doing is what we're going to be talking about. Now, before we even get started, and I know you're saying before we get started, we're like eight minutes in. I know. I told you. I'm going to lock some stuff today. Because some of you are like, well, I'm not Jewish. Uh, we're going to get to that in a second. Let me just say that this, what we're talking about, is a sacred feast. This is a sacred moment for our Jewish brothers and sisters in their lives. And I believe it's important that we understand it and that you and I as Christians, as Messiah followers, actually celebrate it. Because the word says this, we were grafted in. We were were grafted in. All the promises and the prophecies came through the Jewish nation. The Messiah, Jesus, he was Jewish. They are not grafted into us. We are grafted into them. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. But these branches were grafted in. I think it's become so easy in the, uh, to see the kingdom only through our American western eyes. And forget... And even lose the beauty of this great heritage that we were grafted into. Yes, listen to me. Yes, we are the bride of Christ. But the bride was born in Jerusalem. The bride's got olive skin, y'all. She ain't blonde hair and blue eyes. We were grafted in. What a great moment. Let's not overlook this. Let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate the fact that thousands of years before Jesus came, God actually gave us a shadow of what was coming because he loves us so much. I'm going to show you two quick things before I give back to, to Pastor Danielle really quickly. But the, 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 the celebrant, the person who'd be celebrating this uh, Passover, would wear two items. This is called a kittel. A kittle is a, a garment made to be like a priest robe. It's elegant, it's beautiful. It's meant to represent the priesthood. Then, they would also wear on their heads this thing called the mitre. And a mitre in Middle East world is a symbol of a crown. It's for a king. And what we see is the person who is offering this. To the disciples who come come on somebody is both a priest and a king Jesus is both my high priest and he is the king of kings and lord of lords and what's so beautiful is that he doesn't keep it for himself because it's spiritually layer fulfilled in us in 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 9 he makes us a royal priesthood come on somebody Revelation 1 says he brought us into to a kingdom of kings and priests the one who celebrates this, baby, can you take this for me? Thank you so much. There's nothing in there, I know. I know, voice is bad already, hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to wear these, guys, because just out of respect for my Jewish brothers. But I wanted to show them to you, to give you a picture of this beautiful vision of what God has for us in this celebration. When, when we see Jesus offering it, you got to see the king and the priest, Reaching out his hand to you and I. There's this really cool thing that they have as well is that they all have reclining pillows. And the reason that you'll find pillows at every Passover meal is because, for for a few reasons, but first and foremost, when they back in antiquity come on, the tables used to be really, really low. So you had to sit on the pillows and lean on the pillows. That's why John was leaning on Jesus's breast wasn't a weird thing. This is just where they were. Now, we would have the table that low, but I've got bad knees. Come on, somebody. Hey, I can't get down. If I get down, I can't get back up. But the reason that they had pillows at the Passover meal is because of this. Only free people could sit and recline at a table, at a meal. Slaves had to stand slaves couldn't sit in comfort slaves couldn't sit in luxury slaves had to stand my friends, that's why we've got pillows all around this room it's why your tushy is sitting on a cushiony come on somebody, see your back is on a pillowed uh, part of a chair why? because we were once slaves we were once unable to eat at the table we once had to stand on the outside but because of the Passover lamb we get to recline with the king Galatians 5 says this, it is for freedom that Christ came to set me free. To no longer to go back to slavery. Where was slavery? Egypt. I ain't going back. Amen. Come on, grace doesn't allow me to do whatever I want to do. Grace lets me do what I couldn't do before. Which is to live in the freedom of holiness. Come on, there ain't no cheap grace. It was bought at a price. We've got some matzah on the table some of you know what matzah is. It's unleavened bread, right? There's no leaven, no yeast. A couple weeks ago, we talked about yeast symbolizing sin. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herod, uh, of Herod. What we're going to see is that in the Passover celebration, there's no sin at all. Because Jesus is the bread of life who was baked with no sin inside of him. No leaven that you have to be afraid of. He is the bread of life that you can eat. It brings life. By the way, this bread was the bread that was put on the table in the holy place, in the temple, and in the, uh, uh, in the tabernacle. When you went into worship, this is what you would find there because this is an offering for you, not just to be forgiven, but for you to come in and worship God when you eat of the bread of life. The Hebrew word for leaven, hometz, actually means sour or bitter because that's what sin does to us, doesn't it? It turns us bitter. When left unchecked by the grace of God. But the Hebrew word for matzah, uh, the Hebrew word for unleavened is matzah. And it means sweetness with nothing sour. When we come to Jesus, we're supposed to allow Jesus to get rid of the things that soured us towards life. Soured us towards love. Soured us towards another race. Soured us towards another person. Soured us towards our neighbor. That's what the sweetness of God's blessing does. Gets rid of the leaven that's inside of our life. I know that back in antiquity, to leaven a lump of bread, they would take a lump of the old uh, bread that had yeast in it, and they would set it aside so that when they made the new dough, they didn't need to put yeast in it. They'd just take the lump with the yeast and put it in the unleavened dough. Because the Bible tells us a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. That's why the Bible tells us in uh, in, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 that we need to get rid of the leaven that's in our life. Why? Because we're a new lump. I'm not just a better me. I'm a new me. I'm not not just a saved person. I'm a new person in Jesus. Why can I say that? Because that verse says, because Jesus was my Passover lamb. There's freedom from sin. That's why I love... Exodus chapter 12, verse 15, says that at the beginning of this week, what did they have to do? They would go through the, uh, they'd have to get rid of all the leaven in the house. Now, tradition tells us that the wife would go through the house, get rid of everything that had leaven or yeast in it, everything. But she'd find something with just a little leaven in it and leave it for her husband when he came home to find. So when the father came through looking for the yeast, he'd find it. He would take a, thank you, my darling, I love you so much. He would take a linen napkin, he would take that yeast, put it inside the linen napkin, and burn it. Because there was no yeast going to be in his house. That's exactly what the Father did when He looked at our lives. He saw the yeast, come on, that we had hidden, that we had hidden. And you, you can't keep it from the eyes of the Father. But he doesn't want it in our lives. So he grabbed it, knew you couldn't deal with it. He put it in the linen, the righteousness of Jesus, wrapped it up and burned it in the fire of his judgment. Because there's not supposed to be sin in the house of God. That's not, that shouldn't define us. His Holy Spirit should refine us. Now we start Passover. At the start of Passover, the first thing that they would do is that they would light the four candles, the Baruch Hanar. And it would always be done by a woman, because after all, it would be a woman that would birth light into the darkness. Isaiah chapter 7 says that God himself will, have a, will send us a sign when a virgin conceives and gives birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God is with us. We know who that woman was who lit the candle. Her name was Mary. Because God said, I got a plan for you. And she said, be it unto me according to your word, God. It scares me. I don't understand it. But I don't have to understand it. I understand you. And I'm all in. Let it be done. I'll light the flame. And it wasn't just Mary, was it? It's now the bride of Christ that's called to be the light unto the world, to go into the darkness and light up the neighborhoods and let people know about the Savior who is Jesus Christ, that there is a one called Emmanuel. When Jesus was brought into the temple for dedication in Luke chapter 2, Simeon prophesies over him that he will be a light for a revelation uh, to the Gentiles and for the glory of Israel. Jesus will bring light to both. That's why we're grafted in. Jesus himself in John eight twelve said that I am the light of the world. What I love about this moment is that Passover starts when light enters darkness. Our transformation starts when his light enters our darkness. Isn't that what happened at Jesus' birth? Do you remember? At Jesus' birth, the angels are singing, those who have been walking in darkness have seen a great light. It starts with the light. But Passover is basically wrapped around four questions and four cups. Four questions and four cups. And the questions that are asked during the meal are what is different about tonight. What is different about the matzo that we eat, the bitter herbs that we eat. Why do we dip them twice? Why do we recline at pillows? Some of these we'll cover. But more importantly, I think for us, is the four cups that God actually puts in the Passover meal for us to understand what He's trying to do. It's always interesting to me that there's four, there's one cup that has four symbols in it that brings life. And for me, that always reminds me that it's when I, when I, when humanity meets God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when all four of us get in alignment, there's a life that we could never have before. We're meant to live in one cup together, to overflow from his cup. By the way, four is the number of creative work. God wants to do something creative inside of all of us. The very first cup that is offered is called the cup of Kaddish. It's the cup of sanctification. Sanctification means to be made clean, to be made holy. Everything, my friend, starts with sanctification. Sanctification. But what I want us to understand is that sanctification cannot be initiated by you. It has to be initiated by God. Passover was not initiated by humanity. It was initiated to God, to humanity. Humanity needs to respond. Come on, somebody. There's a gift that's offered to you, but your salvation is an initiate. I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. You were Come on, somebody. I found Jesus, all the pride in the world. I found. You don't find anybody. Sanctification started with him. He offered you a free gift. What a great God we serve. By the way, what I love about this cup is that the end of the prayer, when this cup is offered, the end of it says this, to the creator of the fruit of the vine. Why is that important? Because in Luke twenty-two fifteen, 15, Jesus says, I eagerly have desired to eat this Passover meal with you. Now remember, Luke is recording that. And Luke is a historian. He's saying, Jesus is eating this Passover meal. I've eagerly waited for it. And then Jesus says, take this cup, divide it amongst yourself. I will not drink from the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God comes. They're talking about this cup. Sanctification, my friends, doesn't start with us. It starts with him. Hebrews 10.10 tells me, that we are sanctified because Jesus offered his body once and for all. It doesn't have to happen over and over again. Once and for all. But it starts with him and not us. What's beautiful is that the next thing that happens is that they wash their hands. Seems a little out of place, doesn't it? But they wash their hands. And there's a ceremonial washing and cleansing of the hands so that they are clean to participate in the rest of the meal. They don't make it impure by participating in the rest of the meal. But Jesus doesn't stop with the washing of the hands. You read John chapter 13. The Bible says, He took a whole basin of water, took off His kittle, took off His outer robe, got on His knees, and washed their feet. Why does He do it? The Bible says, I'm going to make you clean. Peter says, then wash my whole body. Jesus says, man, Peter, you don't even understand. If I just wash your pinky toe, if I do it, the whole body is clean. This is about cleanliness so that we can go in. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the living water that cleanses us from the inside. It's. Do you remember in the tabernacle, after they got cleansed, the priest would get cleansed by the blood. The first thing that they'd have to go to before they could enter in and worship was the laver, the body of water that they'd have to wash off. And then they could go into worship. God doesn't want you just forgiven. God wants you cleansed so that you could worship a living God. There's a cleansing of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said in John 7, Man, look, if anyone's thirsty, let them come to me and drink, and I will give you streams of living water. John says, Man, that's the Holy Spirit. Come on. He wants to make us clean so we can worship a holy God. We don't have to clean ourselves up and then go, to, and, then go and come to Jesus. We come to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit cleans us up. After they are clean... They get to eat these things called the carpus. These are parsley. They're green because it reminds us that after you are clean, there is a green life ahead of you. But they don't just eat them. They dip them in salt water first. And they dip them in salt water to remind us of the tears. Life without redemption is filled with tears. But he also redeemed us from a life of tears. Because the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that when I come to Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is dead, the new has come. He's offered me into an abundant life. But they don't just dip them once. They actually go ahead and dip them twice. The first one is to remind them of the tears they shed in slavery. What they got out of. The second is to remind them of the ocean, the bounty of the ocean. And the beautiful green life that is ahead what they're going into. You and I, when we come to Christ, we are dipped twice. We are dipped, we are baptized into Jesus Christ to set us free from what we were in. And then we are baptized in the Holy Spirit so that He can bring us into what He has for us an abundant life. There's green life ahead of you because of what Christ can do in you. Then there is... Two of these things, and I'm going to go a little bit more quickly, really quickly. That's a double positive? I don't know. There is this thing called the Hazarit, and that is the bitter root. And that, it's a bitter root because sin left undealt with and unchecked by the grace of God causes us to be bitter in our root. And it is mixed over here with the meror. The meror is horseradish. And when you take a little bit of matzah and you dip it in the horseradish and you eat it, you begin to cry. Because it's a reminder of our tears shed in oppression, shed when we were in the slavery to sin. Often our life of past bondage brings up feelings and emotions of despair, of shame, of tears, of regret. Oh, but hallelujah, he doesn't leave us there. He didn't leave us in slavery. He doesn't leave us in grief. He doesn't leave us in regret. He doesn't leave us in shame. Romans 8.1 says, When I am in Christ, there is no condemnation for me who is in Christ Jesus. There's no shame. There's guilt. There's no regret. It's all dealt with by the Passover lamb. He reminds us. He brings us to this brown colored stuff. It's called the hazaret, And that's a sweet mixture of all sorts of things. And it reminds us it's brown in color because it reminds us of the clay that they were making when in slavery but when you eat this sweet mixture the bitter taste of the horseradish leaves when we eat of the sweet taste of god's redemption the bitterness that we once swallowed before shall dissipate my friends there is not one thing you're bitter about that the holy spirit cannot make sweet there's not one thing that you are ashamed about that the Holy Spirit, that you regret that the Holy Spirit can't transform. That, that, that's the promise of Isaiah 61. When the Messiah comes, what will he do? He'll bestow upon us a crown of beauty instead of our ashes, the oil of joy instead of the mourning that we've been in, a garment of praise instead of a garment of despair. This is what the Passover's talking about. This is who we're talking about. These aren't verses, this is revelation of our King. These are promises that he fulfilled. This is the God that wants to bring us into the promised land. Into wholeness and holiness. There's an egg here that I burned too much and it cracked. It's called the pizza. It's a roasted egg, roasted over fire. It symbolizes kind of the, uh, the traditional sacrifice that was made at the temple during this time the Hagigah. and it came to represent they would cut it up it's hard boiled they would cut it up put it in the salt water because they would be reminded that they can't make sacrifices anymore after AD 70 because the temple is destroyed but it comes to second means something more to you and I because this egg means an egg is a symbol of life it's a symbol of newness of new birth it's also a symbol of the Trinity. Come on. An egg is three parts in one. A shell, a yolk, and a white. And when the Trinity gets involved, come on, in our life, it brings newness into our life. It represents all of it, but it wasn't done without fire. Even the egg had to suffer. The egg didn't just come into your life. It went through the fire first. Isaiah 53 says that we were saved by a suffering servant. Jesus suffered for you and I and went through the flames so that we could be set free. So when we eat of our new life, remember the price that it cost the Holy One to get you into that. We should be jumping for joy when worship happens. Because man, do you know what it cost the King of Kings in order to give us a new life so we could jump? These things help us remember. It's why Jesus says when you eat this Remember me. He's not thinking we're going to forget who he is, but forget what he's done. How is he going to do it? We're almost there. The last two parts are really cool. He's going to do it through this. The lamb. The lamb that was roasted by fire. The lamb... That had to be a male without blemish, without sin. Jesus was this male without sin, without blemish. The firstborn son of God had to undo what the firstborn son of man, Adam, did at the fall. See, my friends, God did not overlook your sin. He put it on Jesus. He didn't overlook your sin. He made Jesus become your sin. That's what happens to the lamb. A sinner would take the lamb and they would lay their hands on its head and pray their sin in it. And then the priest would take it and kill him. Roast it and eat it. The lamb would take the sin so that the sinner could be forgiven. That's what Jesus did on that Passover day. He became you on the cross. He took your sin. There's none left. When you're worried about judgment, why are you worried? There's none left. It was burned up at the cross. Ain't nothing left to judge you on. When he looks, did he look for your work on the doorpost? Did he look for your deeds on the doorpost? Did he look for your sins on the doorpost? He said, I look for the blood on the doorpost." That's the only thing. There's a jumping in joy right now. I told you, I've been excited about this. First Peter 1 Peter 1:18 says, It wasn't with precious things like silver and gold that we were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb without blemish. The lamb, my God, of, the lamb would be burned up and then eaten. The fire represents the judgment of God. Jesus became your sin, and God poured out your hell on him. There is no hell left for you. There's no hell left for you. There's no hell left for you. The lamb took it, and the fire burned it, and he took up the but the judgment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because hell is separation from the intimacy with the Father. And they mark the top. They would take the side. They would do the side. They would do the bottom. They would take the top. Do the side. Do the side. I'm not sure what sign we are going to be saved by. How about thousands of years before there was a cross? God revealed the means on which we would be saved would be a cross. Wood, by the way, is always a symbol of humanity. Let the trees of the field clap their hands. The blood has to go on you and I. If you get out of the house from under the blood, you're going to die. That's what the Bible says. It's the blood that saves us. Jesus says in John 10 verse 9, I'm the door. I'm the only way to get in. But he says in Revelation 3.20, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. If you open up your heart... I'll come in and what? Dine. I will dine. I will dine with you. It all comes back to the meal. Why? Because life is in the blood. That's why it has to be blood. God couldn't just overlook our sin. He had to forgive it. Blood had to be shed. Life is in the blood. Hebrews 9 verse 12 tells me that Jesus entered into the holy tabernacle in heaven not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by His own precious blood once and for all. There doesn't need to be any more sacrifices. Your giving is not a sacrifice. Your serving is not a sacrifice. Your being kind is not a sacrifice. You loving someone is not a sacrifice. They are results of His sacrifice. I love this part. Then they would take this thing called the Matzatash, which is a bag with three pockets inside of it. Three pockets, three pockets, three pockets, three pockets make up one bag. <laughs> why? Well, the rabbis will tell you that it's because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some say it's because this is how worship is the priest, the Levite, and the people. But I think you and I understand why at the Passover there is one bag with three sections. Because there's one God made of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, what I love, what I love about this, what I love about this, what I love about this is that they take the middle section, they take the matzah from the middle section, from the middle section. And if you ask people why, no one knows. And they break it. And this is called the bread of affliction, the bread of affliction. And the, the bread of affliction had to be matzah, pure. Do you know how? What makes an official matzah official matzah? It has to contain a few things. It has to have no leaven in it, no yeast, right? Hebrews 4 tells me Jesus had no leaven in him, no sin. It has to be pierced so that it shows there's no leaven. And it has to, be, has to have stripes on it that were created by flames. I'm fairly sure Isaiah said that when the Messiah died, he would be pierced for my transgressions, crushed from my iniquities, and the, and, the, and the punishment that brought us peace. Come on, by his stripes we are healed. He is the bread of affliction. He is the middle section that was broken. And then what happens, what I love so much, is that after it is broken, it is wrapped up, come on somebody, in a linen cloth. It is wrapped up in a hidden cloth. It is called the aphikomen, which means it comes later. Oh, it's coming in a week. Then the father takes this little bit and he hides it in the house. They don't know where it is. But it's so important, the meal is not officially over till it's found. Then they eat the meal. After it was broken, they eat the meal. The Bible says that Jesus ate his meal, partake his meal together with one another. After the meal, after the meal, after the meal, the children of the Father search throughout the whole house. And whoever finds the afficumin, that child is rewarded with gifts. When you and I find the resurrected Jesus Christ, we are rewarded with the gifts of salvation, with the gifts of the Spirit, with the gifts of life, regeneration, the promises of God. There the bounty of heaven comes. This is the shadow. The reality is Jesus. How beautiful is this? Why is the middle section broken? Oh, by the way, by the way, after they find it, after they find it, they got to break it up and they pass it out. You got to eat it. Because you can't just get away with just eating the lamb. You've got to have the resurrected one. It ain't belief in being forgiven. It is participation in His resurrection. Why is the middle section broken? Why is it buried? Why does it come back? We know the answer. Because it's Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus says it's Him. In Mark chapter 14 verse 22 He says, he finds it. He breaks the pieces off. Says, this is my body. What? That is broken for you. Take it. Eat it. Come on. Because the That why did they not see it? He just said, I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm coming back. Then he breaks the bread. He's showing them what he'd already promised them. Woo Someone's gotta shout. Look, look. Look, I I know today's longer. I know today's longer. Give me just give me a few more moments. Look, 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 I told you this is different. You're a guest here, I'm sorry. But I need you to know this is what this church is about. I'm not going to give you the five principles to a prosperous life. I'm going to give you the way to know the one who is life. I hope you're learning something today. Man, that third cup, that third cup, that third cup that comes right after the Afrocomen is found is called the cup of blessing and redemption. We drink of it because we have been blessed to get out of slavery and there is a promise of a coming Messiah that will redeem us. Come on, somebody. This cup is Jesus. This cup is Jesus. Matter of fact, Luke twenty-two twenty 20 says after they had eaten, Jesus took the cup, lifted it up, and said this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. It's for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink it, and, uh, take it and drink it. He is the cup of redemption. This cup was supposed to fulfill I, Jeremiah 31, 31. I'm going to read this. It's going to take a second. But listen to it. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them out, of the, uh, out, 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 out by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, Passover. Because they broke my covenant, though I was their husband. This is the covenant I will make to the house of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their mind and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They all will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is the cup that inaugurated those prophecies into our lives when Jesus took it on that Thursday night and gave it to his disciples Time and space collided. Prophecy and promise came in to meeting and something exploded in the universe that has transformed down to us. The prophecies that said it's not an old covenant but a new covenant were unlocked for us. And we will be called His people and He's our God. There's a new day, a new beginning. There's a new life because of the blood of the Lamb. Colossians 1 Verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to stop. Right here, right now. Because this is the moment of decision. Right here, right now. You can't work hard enough. And your regret can't keep you from them. Shame has no power next to the blood. I am not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking you if you believe that Jesus lived. There's one way out of the plague, there's one way out of slavery, one way out of oppression. It is the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. That's it. My hope is after that, you do good things. After that, you are a kinder person. After that, you love people because that's the result of living that life. But That doesn't get you there. Have you asked Jesus? Have you said yes to this lamb? No, I mean yes. I mean I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back. I'm asking you, Not if you go to church because you're here today. I'm asking you, have you said yes to Jesus Christ? We're going to pray right now. This this has been the altar call. I don't need to go any further. The Bible simply says if you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that he died and rose again, the Afakumen came back, today you'll be saved today you will enter in to that double-dipped green life. Today. Whether you're in this room or you're watching online today, can you pray? Can we all just bow our heads right now? We're going to pray together. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My friend, I'm asking you to receive the greatest gift humanity has ever seen. It was so important that God showed it to us thousands of years before it would manifest. Just to get us ready. Just to break down all the excuses we'd have. Just so we didn't feel like he sprung it on us. His love, he's been loving you before you were even born. The question today is not whether God loves you, but Will you take the moment to love him back with your life? Take and eat Jesus today. And if that's what you're willing to do, if you're willing to say today, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm leaving my life into your hands. I know I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm repenting. I'm turning around. I'm not staying in Egypt anymore. I'm getting out. I'm going to walk this thing out with you because I want to bring you glory. I want you to feel loved by me. I want you to know I'm all in. If you want to pray that prayer, will you pray it with me from the bottom of your heart? We'll all pray, but you pray. God's going to meet you. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today, my Passover lamb. I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I am all in. I'm holding nothing back. I'M ASKING YOU, JESUS, TO FORGIVE ME OF MY SIN, TO CLEANSE ME OF EVERYTHING I'VE DONE WRONG, TO FILL ME WITH YOUR SPIRIT AND HELP ME TO WALK THIS THING OUT FOR YOUR GLORY AND NOT MINE. STIR SOMETHING IN ME. STIR YOUR SPIRIT. I CHOOSE TODAY TO LIVE full-on for Jesus Christ. And I will not go back. I will not go back to Egypt. I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can you give God a shout of glory? Woo! Hallelujah. Woo! The Bible says if you prayed that prayer, you are born again. Not better, new. Not just saved, new. Not just at the Red Sea, out of slavery, but trapped by the enemy. Come on, somebody. The Bible says when they were trapped, God made a way. You were trapped, God made a way. Still making a way. Hey, we want to help you with that walk. Pastor Rick, right over here. And Pastor Kathy, they'll love to talk with you after service for a few moments. They have a gift for you. If you're online, you can follow that prompt and get the book for free as well. Let you know what that's all about. It's not just about making a decision to be saved. It's about making a decision to be a disciple. I don't think there's an easier Sunday than this Sunday and next Sunday to encourage you in your giving back to God. And that's what we're going to do just for a moment before we end service. So we're just going to take a moment to give back to God in response to what he's given to us. The Bible says in Matthew ten eight, freely you receive, freely give. And I hope you received something today. I know I received preparing it. I, I got ex- I can't tell. I don't know if you can tell. I got excited preparing it. Can you read the Old Testament differently now Maybe. Look, if you want to worship God today in the participation and giving of your tithe, your offering, your gifts back to God, there are screens up there that will tell you how to do it. You can go to the QR code right now, just hold your phone up, click right on it, it'll take you to the link. You can give online, you can always, there are envelopes all around you. You can fill them out in just a second, take them on the way out to one of those gold kiosks and put it in. But can I encourage you, don't drop it in as if you are tipping your waiter. Drop it in as if you were giving a gift to a king. Because that's what you are doing. My king came so you could be set free. Freely you have received. Freely give. Team, can you guys come really quickly? The last cup, by the way, of the Passover meal is called the cup of Hallel, The cup of Praise. Hallel, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Psalm 107 says, let the redeemed say so. Let us not come in quietly into the house of God. Let us not be mum and and mute when it comes to the praises of God. The cup of hallel, the result of this redeemed life should be praise. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 26, 30, After they had eaten, after they had taken all the other cups, they rose up and they sung a song of praise. After they drank the cup of Hillel, they sang a song of praise and went to the Mount of Olives. You know, tradition tells us that the last thing that would happen on their way out is that a child would put an empty cup and an empty seat out for Elijah and they leave the door wide open so that Elijah could come in to announce that the Messiah was coming but John 1 tells me that Elijah already came his name was John the Baptist and he came proclaiming make way the way of the Lord he said behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world come on Elisha has already come. The door is already wide open. The Messiah has already entered the building. We are partakers of that. There should be praise coming from us. I love that symbol. I talked about it last week or a few weeks ago where Elijah is a picture of Jesus. You remember when Elijah the prophet ascends, his mantle falls off onto his servant Elisha. And the servant, after he, after uh, uh, Elijah is, uh, ascended, drops the mantle onto the servant. And the servant goes out and does double anointing. Has a double anointing. Double power. That's life in the Holy Spirit. My Jesus ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he dropped his mantle onto his servants. So that we can walk this way in power. And after they drank the cup, they sang and they went out. They went out with power. They went out in forgiveness. They went out in celebration. They went out on a mission to help spread the kingdom of God. They went out to tell people that the Messiah had come. When we sing, it's not just about a praise that goes upwards. It's a reminder that we need to go outwards. The Messiah has come. The door to your neighbor is open. The door to your co-worker is open. The door to your child that is wayward and living in the pigsty, the door is open. Because the Messiah has already come. Can we stand together? We're going to sing one last song. I'm going to go old school, back to my Baptist days. I had one yes, hallelujah Make me put some hymn numbers up on the wall here That was my job, by the way, when I was a teenager I had to change the hymn numbers They paid me for that, that's awesome Oh, thank you for reminding me of that I did forget to say that today And uh, before we sing our, our Good Friday service, by the way, uh, we show clips, some clips of Passion of the Christ. And if you've ever seen that movie, there's some intense scenes Don't, on Friday, Good Friday. Don't worry we're not show the whole movie, but we'll show some clips. So parents, you can decide whether or not your child is, uh, if that's appropriate for them or not. We certainly don't want to take you by surprise, but I do think it's important that we actually see the reality of what he went through. Because the pictures that I've seen drawn of him, he has a little trickle of blood here and a little trickle of blood here and like rose petaled nails in his hand. The lamb that was roasted beaten beyond recognition tortured for our forgiveness pierced for our iniquities but the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed so we're going to sing as we go praise God from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above ye heavenly host praise father, son
1: Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son,
0: and Holy Ghost. We'll sing that again.
1: Praise God from whom all blessings flow. hear me be-
2: entered the city, the lamb has entered the house. We have partaken and seen that the Lord is good. We have sung and now we will go. But we will go with this mission to give him glory in everything, in everywhere. Because the door is open. The Messiah has come. And life. Abundant life is open because the Lamb of God died for you. God bless you, church. We love you. We'll see you on Good Friday. Have a fantastic week.